Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 351 of the Ask the Coach podcast, where Ping Skills answers your table tennis questions. I'm Jeff Plum, and as always, I'm joined by Super Coach Alois Rosario. Welcome, Alois. Thank you, Jeffrey. And this is show 351, is it? It is indeed. Yeah, that's a lot of shows, isn't it? Yep, yep. Surprised that I can count that high, really. A but lot of questions. We must have answered over a thousand questions on this show. Yeah, I reckon we have. Yes, but but then you've answered tens of thousands on the Ping Seals website. True. Yes, I, I can't remember what we were up to with the actual questions. It's uh, but it is quite a lot. Yes. Um, yeah. So if you got a question. Head over to pingskills.com, put the question in, and um, who knows? It could even get featured on the podcast. Exactly. Absolutely. Now, Alois, how often do you like jokes about elements? Uh, not often. Periodically. <laughs> I, I did enough science to, to understand that joke. That's excellent. <laughs> Oh dear. And hydrogen, helium, lithium, beryllium, boron, carbon. Oh wow, you're like a full on scientist. No, yeah. Look that's that's the that's the extent of my science knowledge. Well done. That's more than I know. Not very good with the with the elements. <laughs> mm. How do you find Will Smith in the snow? Don't know. Don't know. You, How do you find Will Smith in the snow? You look for the fresh prince. Ah, uh, that's not funny either. Uh, <laughs> oh, come on. You, you you, and your family have been watching a bit of The Fresh Prince, haven't you? Yes, yeah. Well, my, my wife and my son watched the whole series, um, I think, during COVID. Um, I watched a few of them. It, it's quite funny still. It stands up pretty well. They're, they're pretty old. Yeah, and they are pretty old. My goodness. My yeah. goodness. Now... In table tennis, it's been an interesting week. What what happened on this week or during this week or week? Well, a couple of couple of interesting birthdays. One is Atanda Musa. So Atanda Musa is uh, a Nigerian table tennis player um, that played in uh, two Olympics in '88 and '92, but pretty big in the Commonwealth uh, mm. in Commonwealth table tennis. So um, yeah, he's won gold medals at Commonwealth Games and. And things, but uh, but now I, I see that he's listed as being in the U.S. So he's currently living and coaching um, in the U.S. So uh, a good pick up for the U.S. there. But um, that African, you know, that African um, comp, uh, level was really high at that at that stage, and still is pretty high. But uh, yeah, when Atanda Musa was, uh, you know, competing uh, in the 80s and early 90s, um, yeah, they had uh, really strong teams, Nigeria. Yeah, definitely winning gold medals. Yeah, very impressive. Yeah. So, uh, mm. and also, also um, the birthday of Tommy Danielson. Now, probably doesn't mean a lot to some to some people, but Tommy um, was a former Swedish table tennis player and did uh, did well in Sweden. Um, you know, at the same time as the Eric Linds and or you know a little bit um, older than um, Eric Lind and. You know, won some uh, won some big tournaments in Sweden, and then moved to Australia and played here for many years. So, uh, yeah. So, 29th of January, 1959 was um, was Tommy Danielson's birthday. I don't know how that old that makes him. It must make him 
very old. Tommy must be very old. Um, very old. Older than you. He is. Exactly. He's what? He's, what's that, 62? My goodness. Really? 62? 62 years old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, Tommy and uh, Tommy uh, sort of dragged me through to win some Australian doubles championships. I was going to say I thought you played doubles with him. Yeah, no, uh, pretty handy partner to pick up, I tell you. Um, yeah, well, you know, left right-handed comp- uh, combination, very yeah. impressive. Yeah, so and uh, a bit of a bit of a character is Tommy. Um, really, I didn't really know him very much. I started playing really. He'd kind of left the scene. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, yeah very, uh, very big character in table tennis, and he's actually now married to uh, Nijalian now. So, um, and he's uh, Nijalian's coach for Luxembourg, and um, she has just qualified. For the Olympics, um, wow! At, at age fifty something, I'm not wow. sure any fifties, but fifty something. Um, so that is, uh, yeah, that was an incredible effort. So yeah, very impressive. And and what made Tommy Danielson so good? Um, his backhand was incredible. Um, mm. It just uh, played really square onto the table, and you know, one of the first players to really um, almost favour his backhand over his forehand. Um, in, in those days, and yeah, but played half a step back away from the table, just you know, able to spin the ball on the table on both sides pretty consistently, just never missed. Um, yeah, so uh, very high level in Australia. It's hard to beat someone that never misses. Well, that's true, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, really, that should be the most important skill in table tennis. Well, funny you should mention that because. That is our first, one of our first videos, isn't it, Jeff? Like the most important skill in table tennis. So yeah. if you haven't seen that one, guys, you do really need to get on and have a look at that because I think that we, we've uh, videoed it twice and it's still one of our most popular videos. I think it's uh, getting up around the many, I think, many. I think, I think it's over a million views. It's it incredible. Is, yeah, it is. Pretty over simple a, idea, but, you know, it's, it's worth pointing out because sometimes you just watch some players and they just try and hit the ball way too hard, hit it off the table, um, just throw away so many points. Especially when you're starting off, you know, it's one of those really important things to, to remember, you know, just get the ball on the table to start with. Um, it uh, it makes a big difference. <laughs> yeah, it does, doesn't it? So, yeah. So, yeah, the most important skill. If you haven't watched it. Oh, get onto it. You just don't know what you're missing. Yeah. Well, um, but yeah. Yeah, we're one point five million views now. Oh my goodness! Yeah, that is unbelievable. Yeah, we've got a couple of videos over two million. There you go. Yeah. So yeah, get on to pingskills.com if you haven't uh, got on there and have a look at some of those videos. Yes, indeed. Uh, what did the Little Mermaid wear to math class? To maths class, mermaid. Don't know, Jeff. An algebra. Oh dear. Um, do you have a tip of the week for us? Ah, uh, yeah, I do. Um, oh, so, the tip of the week this week is to establish a pre-point routine for yourself. Yes. Okay. So um, we we've talked about this a bit over the years, but um, I keep seeing how important it is for players to uh, to just have some sort of routine that they that you can establish for yourself that you can fall back on, especially when things get a bit tight in matches. Um, it's good to just have a routine now. 
I've I've seen some players' routines that you know they they spend like thirty seconds to a minute, you know, touching their head and nose and and shoulders and feet and toes and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> and, uh, you know, wipe down the table. And I think one of the really important things about a pre-point routine is that it's it's simple and it's something that you can do, especially under some time pressure. You know, you don't have a lot of time in between points usually. You've only got, you know, 10 seconds sort of thing to, to, um, to just be able to get through your routine um, and... Um, and be ready to play the next point. So it's important that when you're establishing that routine that it is pretty simple, you know. So um, did you have any routines that you used yourself, Jeff? Um, it's funny. I didn't really think about it as much as I should have. Um, but, you know, when you do play well, you do get into this routine. Like, you know, you feel I'm playing well, so you kind of keep doing the same thing over and over. Yeah. Um and you watch yeah. all the top sports people, and they all have these idiosyncrasies, or, we, or it looks funny, doesn't it? But it is really just part of their pre-point routine. Yeah. Nothing so I think, you think, yeah, and it, it kind of gives it away, doesn't it? When you play well, you kind of do repeat that process over and over, and then when you're struggling, you maybe give it away. So I, I, I guess that's the point of the whole pre-point routine, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And, and I, I guess, you know, we probably see, see it a lot in tennis um, because it's more pronounced because they've got more time. But... You know, if you watch the number of times that a, a player bounces the ball before they serve in tennis, um, you'll find that it's basically the same all the time. Um, we all we all know Rafael Nadal's um, routines that he has to go through um, yep. between each point. But if you also if you also watch the best table tennis players, you'll see the way that they approach the table, the number of bounces they you know sometimes they'll bounce the ball on the table or they'll um, you know, bounce the ball on the floor or whatever it is. Um, but if you watch, you'll notice that it's um, very much the same, um, especially when they're in a rhythm and when they're playing well. So so think about something for yourself. I used to um, sort of establish a routine where I used to, um, you know, if I'm picking up the ball, take a bit of a breath, um, deep breath, think about um, what the next serve is going to be or if I was receiving thinking about you know what sort of direction I wanted to play in so that's thinking about something tactically and then focus on the ball um, as the last thing before you before you start the rally so yes yeah, so mm. now for those of um, our viewers that haven't seen this video it's called um, Alloys versus Italy and in that we've got Alloys making a dramatic comeback against who was the player Jeff, how do you manage to bring this video up so often? <laughs> no, but it's really good. Like it was like you're down and then you come back. And if I don't know if viewers have noticed this, but there's there's one point there where you give a little fist pump to the table. Well, there you go, Jeff. Is that is that part of the pre-point routine? I'm uh, I'm I'm I refuse to uh, enter further into this conversation. <laughs> you got to see it. So watch. Alloys versus Italy, look for the little fist pump um, when he, he kind of just has a fist, touches the table. I think it's all part of the routine. It's like I was saying, Alloys, you know, sometimes you're playing and something works well or you just do something and you win a point and then you kind of get a bit superstitious about it and you've got to just keep doing it. <laughs> That's it. That's, yeah. And I, and I think, I mean, the, the, the main thing is it, it just helps you. So especially when you do start to get nervous, you know, mm. going 
going to something that is familiar just helps you um, settle yourself down and you know um, steadies the mind uh, gets you into a into a simple um, thought process um, as well um, and yeah just helps you to, to settle those nerves often yeah now the Americans probably hardly even know what cricket is but um, for people batting in or bat, top the top batters in the world in cricket they all have these pre-point routines as well and Steve Smith, who's one currently, he's kind of a bit like Rafael Nadal. Like he has to touch everything, touch his box, touch his helmet, do everything before he gets ready. Um, an older player, Ricky Ponting, he used to just, as the bowler was running in, he'd say, watch the ball, watch the ball, watch the ball, every time. He said every time they came in, he would just tell himself that, watch the ball, watch the ball, watch the ball. Um, so, yeah, so I don't think it really matters what the routine is, does it? It's kind of just more about having that routine. Yeah, and yeah, and something that's as, as we talked about is simple and um, easy to implement. You know, like adding adding a, a breath in, you know, a deep breath can often also help, uh, you know, to, to settle the heart rate or settle the nerves a bit as well. So um, if you can if you can throw one of those in, but yeah, um, uh, something to something to think about and something we talk about in our um, sports psychology section as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I was going to say something else about that, but I've, I've forgotten. Oh, I was going to say about Roger Federer. Now, he has one that doesn't look like it's going to be good to do when you're nervous. He kind of bounces the ball against the ground with the edge of his racket or something, like, something that looks like it takes a lot of skill. Yeah. And if you were slightly nervous, you wouldn't be able to do it. But he kind of does that quite often. I'm not sure yeah. it's every – maybe it is every point. Yeah, he does do that. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, interesting you talk about that. So I had one before a match. So I used to um, just try to roll the ball from one side of my back to the other, which is a skill that I was able to do. But before a match, if I felt nervous, I'd try to do that. And, you know, it often was a good gauge for me too. So if I was um, yeah, yeah. really, I could, yeah, I could tell that that was difficult and I just try to hone in on that skill and, and focus that, and that, that tended to settle me down too. Nice, nice. Yeah. yeah. There you go. So, yeah, so that's that's our tip of the week. Excellent. Oh, Just that's good. Routine for yourself. Yeah. Now, because um, we need to expand our vocabulary on this show, being podcast people, I, um, I went out and I bought a thesaurus. And when I got home... All the pages were blank. I have no words to describe how angry I am. Very angry. Ah, Yes. Now, that was funny, right? Move on. (laughs) Come on, you've got to laugh at that. Uh, Anyway, we are here to answer some table tennis questions, Alois. Oh, and we have some really good questions today. I'm looking forward to these. Good. Um, yeah. Have you got your thinking cap on? Are you ready? It's well and truly firmly ensconced on my head, if that's the proper word. Ensconced. <laughs> yeah. Did you look that up in your thesaurus that actually has words in it? <laughs> Must have. Oh, dear. Uh, all right. So first question is... Um, from Ardak, who says, Hi, coach. When I'm playing, if some of my topspin 
if only some of my toxins fail, then I can keep playing in this aggressive mode. But once I start to miss like three or four in a row, I get really defensive. And although I choose good moments to do topspin, but I just go defensive and I'm not sure if that's really the way. And I start playing so badly, even to those that I would usually beat. And is this a bad habit to kind of pull back when you're missing all your shots? Yeah, I think um, so. I think the first thing is just you need to establish what your game plan really is and what works for you when you're playing better table tennis. So if it is about making more of the topspin strokes, um, then it's important that you find a way to start to introduce that into your game more, especially in those critical situations, you know, when you're start, starting to miss a little bit, feel a bit nervous, whatever it is. Um, it's about how can I still execute those topspin strokes? So the first thing is, in a, in a training situation, set yourself that task. Set yourself that task of making sure that you play that topspin no matter what, almost no matter what, you know. So um, it doesn't matter if the score is 5-all, 6-all, 10-all, 12-all. Um, if that ball comes along and you get the opportunity, then you attempt the, the topspin. Get it on, miss, win, lose. Um, you've got to try to block that out of your um, of your mind. So that's the first thing. Find a way to, in a training situation or training points, training games, um, Im- implement that forehand topspin or backhand topspin whenever you get the opportunity. So then, um, as you start to uh, move forward, you know, then it becomes maybe not just a drill, maybe that those practice games as we talked about, and then it could be starting to implement that same strategy in a match where you know what the result's going to be. So if you're playing against a player who's a lot uh, weaker than you, try to employ that strategy. But it can also be in a, in a match against a player that you know is a lot better than you, um, employ that strategy, you know. So, so the result isn't really the key thing there. It's more about um, employing uh, the technique and the stroke that you that you're looking for, and then as you start to get more comfortable there, then you can start to think about doing that in more important situations in important matches um, for yourself. So it's a, it's a bit of a step through process um, to get to where you want to, but um, you have to start somewhere. And and for me, start in the training hall. Start by you know being pretty um, uh, firm in your mind about implementing those top spins no matter what. Yeah, and it's interesting hearing you describe that process and it kind of just brings home the fact that you can't just expect to just keep better, keep getting better at this constant rate and getting better and better and better because you're trying to bring different aspects into your game and so that's not always going to work perfectly so you're going to have these little bumps and hills and, you know, but if you keep doing that in training, you're going to get good enough to um, do it more often in a game. So that path to improvement is not always so steady. And I guess that can be frustrating. Yes. Mm. Yeah. yeah, but good to hear. And then I guess there's also, like you talked about, so there could be just you're not quite good enough to do it consistently under pressure. And then there could also be that one where maybe you are good enough, but you just got really nervous because you weren't. Um, you know, you were thinking about the result or something, 
And in that situation, that's where what we talked about, that pre-point routine can maybe help calm your nerves. Yeah, yeah, good. Yeah, that's right. Get it, getting, uh, yeah, tying that in is, is good, you know, utilising those pre-point routines to, uh, to get you into a place where you are physically able to make that top spin. Yeah, you? nice one. Yeah, I told you we're going to have some good questions today. Uh, always, Jeff. <laughs> All right, so next up is a question from John, and he says, I want to get better at serving, and so he wants to know, is there like a progression for how you should do that? Because he's been working on his pendulum serve, and he's getting good feel with a basic uh, backspin pendulum serve, um, and he thinks he's, you know, trying to introduce the side spin, but He's not sure what to do, and he's trying to teach himself from YouTube videos. So he does want to get to a club. Great idea. But, yeah, what do you think is a good progression for learning to um, serve and then improving your serve? It's funny. It, it, it ties in a lot with what we just talked about with the previous question. Mm. Um, so, again, that initial improvement needs to happen in the training situation or in the training hall or away from competition or away from results because you need that freedom to to really allow yourself to just um, try a few things, try to generate some spin, try to get the technique of the serve right. Yeah, um, and in fact, even when you're trying to just generate spin, maybe even go away from the table and just do it on the floor so you can just really swing the bat fast because, of course, with the serve, you need that fast brushing contact to get a lot of spin. Yeah, that, that 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 first step away from the table can be really useful for you um, to just get that that uh, especially that freedom with the wrist. You know, as soon as you step up to the table, your thought is about getting the ball on the table. Whereas if you're away from the table, you know, just hitting the ball onto the floor, you can really think about how quickly can I get my wrist to to, to move through that uh, through the uh, service action, and you know, really try to whip and get some get some more um, uh, spin on my serve. So, yeah, so it starts in that situation, you know, then you can move to the table, then you can even just stand someone at the other end of the table that catches the ball, then you can stand someone at the other end of the table that is trying to return it, then you can put it into some more in your drills, you know, into other drills, start to utilise it there, start to utilise it in practice games, um, then start to utilise it in more important games and so on and so on. So, so again, you know, the progression of any um, skill, is, you know, needs to start with that really basic training uh, situation and then progress it slowly um, until you can utilise it in an important match, in an important situation in that match, you know, at nine all, that you can execute that serve well. But that doesn't, that doesn't happen from day one. There needs no. to be that training to, to get you there. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Um, excellent. And now, Alois, we haven't had the comment of the week for a while, but Nigel here has posted a really good comment, so I'm going with comment of the week from Nigel, who said, replying to John's question, he said, John, when you can, it will be good to join a club. And that is so true, because then you can try out your serves on people and you can watch how they serve, and Nigel says, if you haven't been to a club before, you will find some of your serves that you thought were good will probably be returned easily by some. But don't be put off. Practice and practice and keep the ball low. It won't matter if none of your serves work well at first. 
And then thank you, John. You, uh, thank you, Nigel. He says, if you watch all the videos Alice and Jeff put on here, then you will improve. So, yeah, great yeah. comment. Thanks, Nigel. That's like a good comment. Good work, Nigel. Indeed. Thanks. <laughs> all right. So now we've got some really interesting questions. And um, Yuva has says, I'm... Um, Say I'm in the situation, I'm in the left corner and my opponent hits a smash on the right of the table where I clearly cannot reach it. So I toss the racket to the right, so it's come out of my hand. The racket has hit the ball and the ball's gone back over onto the opponent's side. And Yuva wants to know, is it my point because my opponent just left it? So I've hit the ball back over as far as I can tell and my opponent left it. So uh, whose point is it? Yeah, good question, Yuva. Unfortunately, I've got some bad news for you. It's your opponent's point because the, ball, the the racket has to be in your hand when you hit the ball. So um, so if you throw the racket at the ball and it goes back, it's uh, not a legal shot. Um, you have to have the racket in your hand. So Interesting. Okay, so that's, that's the official rule. Yep. Why do you reckon they came up with that rule? Just because they didn't want people throwing bats? Surely it takes a lot of skill to let go of your racket and have it hit the ball and return it on the table. It is. It is um, an interesting question you posed there, Jeff. But, yeah, maybe it is uh, to stop uh, stop the, uh, the headhunting of, <laughs> of uh, spectators and umpires with, uh, with the racket. Now, we have a lot of rules videos. I'm not sure we've got one on that thing. That could be interesting to get you to try and actually hit the ball back without the racket in your hand. Ah, yes. That would be interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure I could do that even in 100 years. Oh, well, we used to do it in an exhibition uh, routine, you know, when the ball dropped over and we used to throw the bat forwards and <laughs> all went back. Yeah, so I remember some uh, some – some clowns, ping and pong, doing something very similar in uh, many years ago. Oh, those clowns. <laughs> ping and pong. <laughs> Classic. Now, if you haven't seen ping and pong photos, we might have to dig one out for you. <laughs> yes, you have to post it on Facebook. Yes. Oh, dear. Or uh, Instagram. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, that, we will have to dig hard to find one of those, though. Yes. Yeah, we will. <laughs> uh, now, how what are you? What are you rating my jokes in the show so far out of ten, Alois? Um, what's the lowest you can go? <laughs> like zero. Well, yeah, thereabouts. Really? Yeah. Oh. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm, well, you know, in terms of types of jokes. You know, poo jokes aren't my favourite kind of jokes, but they're a solid number two. <laughs> You're trying so hard not to laugh at that, I can tell. That's pretty funny. Can someone buy this guy a joke book? Sure, they did. <laughs> He's good. He's this got is this is the best of the worst daily calendar. Uh, that's I think you got it wrong. Yeah, I think and unfortunately work. for the people listening, this is the last, the last joke. No, this is the last joke of this 
podcast episode. So here we go. Did you hear about the new football league that pits NFL teams against prison football teams? It has its pros and cons. See, that's not bad. I think (laughs) you finished on something mildly funny. Oh, dear. Yes. All right. Uh, And we have another rules question. Excellent. So... The question is, Alois, can you hit the net with the ball twice? For example, the ball hits the net clamp and then bounces up and then hits the actual net itself and goes onto the opponent's side. What happens in that situation? Yes, indeed. So you definitely can. So it doesn't matter how many times the ball touches the net. As long as it doesn't touch anything else in between, um, it is good. So, you know, if it bounces on the net clamp, so remember the net clamp, the, the metal part, um, is part of the net. So if it bounces on that, bounces on the net, and then goes over onto the other side of the table, good shot, um, play on. Um, wow, we need a video on that too. Can you can you try and hit the net on that bottom bit and get it to bounce over onto the table? That would be impressive too. How long have we got? <laughs> a year and a half? Yes. Yeah, so yeah, that, that is legal. And you, you do see it happen every now and then. Um, that the ball does um, touch the net clamp twice. But there's one other interesting question. So if I hit the ball and it touches the netting part of the net and then goes and bounces on the net clamp on the other side of the table but then doesn't touch the table, that's actually not a legal shot. So because the ball hasn't hit your opponent's side of the table, it's not in. So um, that does happen every now and then, you know, touches the net, bounces on the net clamp, even if, the, you know, that net, the part that's actually attached to the top of the table. Yeah. Even, even if it hits that, it's not, that's not part of the table. So it hasn't mm. actually hit the table yet. So, uh, but normally if it hit that, it would kind of then also bounce onto the table, but I guess it's possible to hit that only, isn't it? It is, yep. Sometimes it goes off the side of the table. So, yes. Mm. Yeah. So, tricky little one there. But, yeah, just if you just remember that the net clamp and that whole netting, uh, the whole metal part is considered part of the net um, and it's not part of the table. So, yeah. Good tip. Good tip. All right. So, um, that wraps up the questions, um, which I told you were going to be good and they were. Um, Now, We are currently running another Who Am I competition, episode two, and no one, Alois, guessed it last week. So we're extending it for another week, and we have some new clues. Yes. Um, What were our first clues, Jeff? Well, our first clues, let me just read them out to you as I look it up and buy some time. Who Am I? Episode two. Here we go. I have represented Germany at World Championships and Olympics. That was our first clue. And a lot of people, I'm just going to tell you, guessed Timo Boll. And that's not correct. Well, that yeah, and that'll become evident uh, with the, with our second round of clues here. So, Which is, yep, uh, I am right-handed. right-handed. Yeah. Oh, you go. You read it out. Go. I'm right-handed, and I've played at three Olympic games. Three Olympics. Okay, represented Germany, and I'm right-handed, and I played in three Olympics. All right, so 
see if you can guess and um, just head to the Ping Skills website and click on your name up the top right when you're logged in and then click on competitions and you will be able to um, put in your entry. If you've already had a go and didn't get it right, then you can go in and update your entry. So, um, and the prize for um, so the competition again is extended a week. So in a week's time, we will get all the correct answers and randomly choose one, and you will win one hour of online coaching or one month of Ping Skills Premium membership. So get. I don't think anyone's going to get it yet, Jeff. I reckon. Mm, it's a tricky one, isn't it? We'll see. This one, yeah. We'll see. Yeah, but, but have a go. You've got nothing to lose. You know, German table tennis player represented uh, Germany at the World Championships and Olympics, right-handed and played in three Olympics. Ah, very good. So, Alois, all that is left is the OMG facts. Ah, yes. Beauty. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. um, sharing mascara is the most common way people pass on eye infections. Sharing mascara. I've never shared my my mascara. uh, (laughs) Never. But I have had eye infections, so, yeah. There you go. And Jimi Hendrix failed his high school music class. No. (laughs) It's a fact. He did not. Yes. Oh, dear. I want to have words with his music teacher. I reckon. Okay. So here we go. California, Virginia, Pennsylvania, New York, and Texas are the five U.S. states with the most reported hauntings. <gasps> That's a fact. What, what are even hauntings? What, what, who, who well, reports, ghosts. Ghosts. Who reports ghosts? Really? Okay. Good. <laughs> I don't know who reports go. And who do you call up if you want to report a ghost? Ghostbusters. Ah, who are you going to call? Right. There you go. Well, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's a wrap, Alice. That's the show. Yeah, pretty good. I think your jokes, I think we'll have to find another book for you. But um, OMG Facts, running running strong. I like the the Jimi Hendrix one. That was good, yeah. It's so you see so many things like that where someone becomes famous despite something happening that you think they would never make it. There you go. See setbacks from setbacks. Exactly. Yeah. Very good. All right. So everyone listening, thank you so much. Uh, don't forget to enter the competition and don't forget to visit pingskills.com. Thanks, everyone. And, of course, thank you, Alois, for your wise words of wisdom. Uh, thank you, Jeffrey, for... And for tying this wonderful show together. <laughs> uh, it's my pleasure. All right. Catch you next time, people. Bye.